Welcome to the Sunshine Slowdown Radio Show right here on Radio Free Nashville. Today, a guy I've known for over 20 years. He's an amazing singer, songwriter, and guitarist, and honestly, he's an all-around good guy. Been kind of a moral compass for me on and off over the past uh, couple decades. His name is Shane Lamb, based in Nashville, Tennessee. Let's, uh, let's start right off the bat, man. Songwriting process. Talk a little bit about your songwriting process. What, what do you do? Uh, do things just come to you? Do you sit down and consciously try to work things out like one of those nine to five writers? How, how does your process work? Um, well, I'm, I'm typically a pretty, pretty disciplined writer, uh, in terms of setting time aside every day. I don't like 
have a set schedule where I say I'm, I'm going to do this between you know ten and two. That's how a lot of sessions and uh, songwriting sessions in Nashville work. But I, I don't work that way. I kind of just write all the time. I keep notebooks and I uh, record all my musical ideas into my phone or uh, some some way to just document them. So I'm, I'm always I'm always putting down either musical ideas or writing down lyrical ideas. And sometimes they come at the same time, so. Okay, and do you do much collaborating? Um, I'm working with a, uh, a female artist right now named Amanda Broadway, and we're writing some stuff together, but on, on all of my stuff, it's just, it's all me in terms of the writing. Okay. Um, talk a little bit about, you've written a lot of stuff, and you've released a lot of stuff. How do you continue to find inspiration? What, 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 what things inspire you? Everyday things, or reading books, or TV, movies? I read a lot. I read a lot of poetry, and uh, um, so I'm constantly reading, and I'm, I'm really uh, trying to, you know, I guess just like everyone else, I mean, I, things happen in my life, or I see things or experience things that uh, that affect me in a, in a certain way, and some more than others, and um, so I, I usually write about those kind of things. I'm, I'm not the kind of writer, you know, like like Springsteen will put himself in other people's shoes and kind of be the voice for other people. I don't, I tend not to do that. A lot of my, my first two records were pretty personal um, about me, my relationships and my life. And, but st- the, the last year I've been writing a lot of stuff along kind of uh, social lines, political kind of social justice stuff, just being aware of what's going on around me. So that's kind of where I've been focused with in the last last year. I've kind of shifted gears from that last record I did. Mm-hmm. Do you do a lot of revising? Or are you, uh, 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 once I get it on the paper, I pretty much leave it alone kind of guy? Um, I, I revise. I mean, I, I like to write something and, you know, work on it and work on it and get it to a place of where I feel complete with it. But then... Uh, always be I, I never feel like I'm, I'm like done with it in the sense that I, I'm always open to lyrical changes or or chord changes or you know even in the studio sometimes I'll scrap a verse and write a new verse or so I'm always and, and live sometimes too even songs that I've done for a while I you know I'll, I'll change words or come up with something that I like like better um, but I, I don't, you know, it's, I don't take it to the point where I just dump a whole song and and negate what I did. I, I would rather just write something new than to keep going back and, and <laughs> you know, hacking on that same song. So right, right. I, I'm always open to to being in the moment. And you know, when you you write by yourself and then you take it, you know, I take it and play it for Casey, who I make the records with, and and um, he's not a songwriter, but he has. He has great ears, mm-hmm. and he's a good person to bounce stuff off of. And uh, and then when you get in a room with musicians, like, like the last record I did, we cut live. So if something starts happening and it feels like it's too long, I'm not afraid to cut stuff or, you know, hey, it feels like I need another verse or two. Then I, I kind of just try to stay open. Sure, right. Well, like, the whole I, process. I've read Dylan said that, like, the song is like the frame of a house, and you have to constantly redo the siding or redo the decorating and, and redo things around the frame. The frame stays the same, which would be the lyrics, 
and and for the most part the chords, but the melody can change, the arrangement can change. Do you try to write that way so that you can maybe do things later on to change things up? Well, you know, it's interesting because on my on on the two records I've made, they're they're full band records, they're fully produced, um, and there are a lot of parts and stuff going on, but all those records were. You know, all those songs were written on acoustic guitar, and so those songs are really um, durable in the sense that I could go out and do it, you know, with a uh, with a band, or I could go out and do it solo acoustic, and they they hold up really well acoustically too. Mm-hmm. So I, I I tend to write that way and be conscious of that, and uh, you know, the thing that that Dylan's talking about um, that's always made a lot of sense to me. It doesn't mean that it's easy, but it makes sense. I've been reading a lot the last couple years about visual artists and the way they approach what they do. And, and you know, if you look at sketchbooks of these artists, you can see how something progressed from one thing to another in terms of maybe how they changed some of the colors to, you know, to re- deal with some of the lighting, the change in lighting and that. And I think that's a really uh, great way to a to approach the creative process because then you're not closing it off. You're always open and, and you're always willing for things to to evolve and to be in the present moment. I remember, you know, that documentary, that Tom Petty documentary that he and Mike Campbell talk a lot about Dylan and mm-hmm. the Heartbreakers toured with him for those what, two years mm-hmm. and how they said that you know, they were they knew they were a really good band going into it, but those times on stage with Dylan where they never knew <clears throat> what he was going to do. Mm-hmm it really forced them to listen better and to be more willing to be spontaneous with what was going on. And that's a really hard thing to do. And mm-hmm. Dylan does it, <laughs> yeah. does it constantly, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, his, his band's eyes are fixed on him all the time for a reason. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, it's funny. Um, I saw them at Greer Stadium here in Nashville a couple of years ago with Willie Nelson. Mm-hmm. And I've seen them in a club here in Nash, I've seen Dylan a bunch of times, but uh, it, it's really interesting because the time I saw him in the club and at Greer too, it's like everybody just watches him like a hawk, and mm-hmm. they were kind of set up in this half circle, <laughs> yep. so that everyone could keep an eye on him. You know, and the one guy, the drummer, he's the one guy that really he has enough guts to keep pushing the thing, and everybody kind of comes to comes to him he's not afraid to dictate a little but yeah they do they definitely <laughs> <laughs> that's that, they're that's, always worried about what what he's going to do and oh, what yeah. he's going to do it in you know oh, that's hilarious it's funny to watch them because they're just yeah they're just they're they're trained you know and it's almost like it seems like it's part of the act in a way it's so it's so obvious you know i mean mm-hmm. but but yeah i get you know you have to do it otherwise you know you're not going to be in that band very long i guess <laughs> yeah you know those guys have played with him the bass player and the drummer and they've been with him a long time mm-hmm. and i remember reading an interview with the bass player where he said you know, we would come out and we would play these songs at Soundcheck and then we would never play them again. Mm-hmm. And he said, we did that for, you know, eight or ten years until it finally dawned on me that what he was doing is he was he was teaching us the American songbook. He was teaching us all these old country and blues and bluegrass tunes and, like, and a lot of obscure, like, Civil War songs. And he was really schooling them without telling them, and that's why... They did some other projects with some other artists that included Dylan, mm-hmm. I believe, where, where they said, yeah, now it all kind of made sense because this is what he's been, yeah. <laughs> he's been educating us on for eight years. You exactly, know? yeah. That's, that's good stuff. I mean, that 
I, I, that's what it's all about, I think. So. There's nothing like the gray of Ohio in the winter As we unwind the highway Bare branches scratch the sky Like stick men stuck in place Waiting for a springtime Cold bridges lace the banks Of a muddy river running
Listening to the Sunshine Slowdown Radio Show right here on Radio Free Nashville. My special guest today is Shane Lamb. You heard "You Shook Me Up" before that. Nothing left to say, and uh, we're talking to Shane today here on the show. Uh, we're talking about live performance. Let's talk about your live performance. What what uh, kind of approach do you take to uh, solo or band gigs? I mean, do you do mostly original stuff? Do you throw in some covers? Does it depend on the situation? Um, it does depend on the situation, but I I tend to try to stay really focused on the original stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not... I mean, I'll play covers uh, depending on kind of who I'm listening to at that time or if I can, you know, come across something that I really just kind of want to work up and mm-hmm. and do. But I, uh, I I pretty much stick to, to, my, to my stuff. I have, you know, enough material that I could go out and be really, you know three-hour shows and, and just do all original stuff. So mm-hmm. Yeah, 
I'm not. I'm. I don't know. I like to. Other artists, I kind of when I learn their songs, I I'm, I approach it more from. I'm studying and I'm learning. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily that I want to go out and and kind of. Play that you know other people's music all the right. time. I'm, I'm always just trying to like you were talking about the books and the reading. I mean. Mm-hmm. I'll I'll buy a new record and I'll come home and learn the whole thing and study the lyrics and chart it out and mm-hmm. and just really crawl inside of it and spend time with it and that's that's for me that's kind of the learning process too. Sure. Now, now when you're doing full band gigs, um, do the performers are they necessarily the people that played on the record or are they different people depending on who you can get? Well, you know, Nashville is a strange <laughs> beast. I mean, <laughs> yeah, people. <laughs> You know, there are people that are major artists that their you know their bands are playing on other people's records and doing other things. So, for me, um, I, I wanted so badly for so long to have a core band of people and have kind of like this tribe. Mm-hmm. And it took me a really long time to realize that that that's really tough to do here. So, I approach it more from you know I, I know a lot of people here. I have a lot of friends. So if I go out and do something as a trio, that's fine with me. Mm-hmm. And if I can do a six-piece thing, that, that's great, too. I, I, try, I don't get too worked up about it anymore. It used mm-hmm. to, I used to, but anymore, I, I, just, <laughs> I just roll with it. Yeah, you kind of have to there. Yeah, like you said, it's because people, people are stepping in, stepping out, I mean, of the, the town all the time. You know, people decide it's not yeah. working out. They go home where they came from. New people come in, and some people are there all the time, but they get different gigs or, or some people just drop out of the music thing altogether. And then, you know, so it, it's a whole different, different, it's like working with a different palette of colors every time you decide to go out and do band gigs. It really is. And that's, you know, that's how I try to approach it too. Like I think of it more as colors mm-hmm. and I think, okay, well this, uh, the guitar player guy that I was going to have, he can't do it, but I've got this keyboard guy and a drummer and that's, that's great. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, so I, I try try to just stay really open to, who can be there and and think of it as like you were just asking a second ago about the songs and and being well okay the song's going to be it's going to be a different thing tonight than than maybe what it was last time and, and mm-hmm. that's great that's fine sure right yeah now, I think you learn a lot about the the song too by mm-hmm. being in those situations it, I think the song reveals itself even more yeah. You know, like, yeah. I remember seeing when Pearl Jam did the the, uh, the acoustic thing on VH1, and it was like, well, I don't know if that really works so well. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, it was early on in their career, right? But they, you know, it was like they were they were a rock band, and you can't. It's really difficult just to take a a straight rock song and go, well, we're just going to do it acoustically. Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't always fly really well. Right. You almost have to do it clapped into with Layla and kind of redo it for the yeah. acoustic setting. And if you don't know how, you can't just unplug an instrument, play the song the same way, and think it's going to be, you know, outstanding like it was with the instrument plugged in, you know. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So now when you do have people playing with you and whether it's three people, six people, whatever, with stuff that you have on record, do you have them learn it off the record? Do you tell them these are the parts I kind of want you to play or do you just kind of let them do their own thing? Um, well, it doesn't depend on the situation, really. Yeah, it depends on the situation, but, you know, really, uh, there are a lot of great players here. Mm-hmm. So I tend to, um, and I've been here quite a while, so I, I know a lot of people and I know who, you know, who to ask. And, <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm 
fortunate that I've got some friends that are really great players. So oftentimes I'll just get them a copy of the CD and the charts, and I don't really worry about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and if something goes a little different way, I'm fine with that. But if there is something specific I want to hear, or even if I want to try a different arrangement and speed it up or, you know, a different feel, but I, I kind of tend to let the person bring to it what what they want to bring to it mm-hmm. and, and not, you know, try not to get in the way. Because I, I tend to view it, like like you said, about the framework of the house. I mean, the structure is there. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's pretty interesting and, and fun to see someone that's really proficient and really good on their instrument do something that I you know I would never think to do because I don't play that instrument so. sure. Will we outrun those tired towns and we'll never be the same again
bad times and I remember the good If I could do it all again I hope you know I would I was just a dumb kid and I did my best Babe, I'm sorry we made such a mess I think about you now as the fall wind blows Grey sky leaves from the trees And how you'd smile when I'd hold you close Babe, I'm sorry I pushed you from me But it's time to say goodbye This ain't no are gone and the clouds bring more rain They say water is a symbol of change Well we've drowned in sadness we've made and we'll never be the same Sometimes I wish we'd met when we figured things out But it's so easy to Stop.
You are listening to the Sunshine Slowdown Radio Show here on Radio Free Nashville. My special guest today is Shane Lamb. You just heard the song Goodbye, and before that, Better Here. Let's talk a little bit about the recording process, like from demo to finished product. When you're doing a demo, how much uh, of the finished product is in your head, or is that something you take to the studio with you and, and decide to work on there, or does it really, again, depend on the song? Um, I, I've spent a lot of time listening to, to records and headphones, and I've always enjoyed doing that. And in school, I, you know, I studied... Part of being a composition major was studying arranging and and scores of composers, and so I think it was something that always interested me. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm usually pretty pretty good at hearing parts, especially stuff not especially, but including parts that aren't from my instrument. I mean, I I can hear an arrangement in my head and and kind of either you know notate it or or kind of direct somebody of what I'm hearing. Mm-hmm. So I, I tend to kind of hear how things are going to go uh, in my head, but then once we get in the studio, you know, I, I try to stay really open to to well, let's what if we we tried this here, or what if we, you know, uh, put a piano here instead of a guitar part, and mm-hmm. so I I, tr- I think more and more that I do it, I I try to be more and more open to just seeing what happens mm-hmm. because I you know if I don't. If I don't like it, I can start over. True. Yeah. You know, it used to seem like such a big, heavy, intense thing to, um, you know, to try to get in the studio or to be in the studio or get people together, and and now I I think I kind of just try not to be as <laughs> so intense about it and just kind of let something happen. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and you know, the same goes with performing too. I mean, at some point, it becomes more of a job, not a bad job. But it's more of just something you do rather than because, yeah, when you first get in the studio, it's a big deal. And you think, oh, we're going to make a number one record and we're going to be the best. We're going to, you know, make another Sergeant Pepper or something. But at, at some point, it's just like, OK, this is something I have to do to, to, to get the song to where it needs to be. And it doesn't it, it's not a huge deal. And it's, you know, again, if, if something doesn't work out, come back the next day and, and try to work on it again. You know, that's that's a good attitude to have toward it. So, well, I think, you know, with uh the availability of, of recording now and not having to be in a big a big studio and you know you can do a lot of stuff at, at your friends' homes at home studios and your own studios and all that kind of thing and the more you do it it not that you shouldn't you know that I don't respect it or that I'm not aware of what's going on but I think I think it comes down to like you said I mean approaching it I mean it is a craft. And it's, if it's what you've done long enough, you get a comfort with it, and you get a sense of how things work, and uh, and how things happen. Where you know when you when you first start doing it, it's you know it's like, well, do I stand here or do I stand over there? Or can I talk now? Or you know, <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. <laughs> am I going to bug somebody if I say something? You know, where you know after you've been and done it a while, you you get a sense of it. So. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Now, you mentioned poetry earlier, and I, I've known you for a very long time, and lyrics have always been near and dear to your heart, very important. Talk uh, about some other influences, or some of the poets, as well as maybe some other uh, literary figures that influence you uh, from a uh, lyrical standpoint. Well, I'm really, um, I'm a, I, I really, I really love Emily Dickinson. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I've been reading a lot of the Spanish poets the last couple of years, uh, Lorca and, um, and uh, oh, who's the guy? I'm, I'm gapping the guy's name uh, from Chile. Um, You'll think of it in about five minutes. <laughs> yeah, <most laughs> of the conversations over. <laughs> but, like, um, I really like uh, Emily Dickinson, like I said, is a big one. Mm-hmm. Um, and then... Neruda, that's who I was thinking of, Paulo okay. Neruda. All right. Um, and who else have I been reading? I, I really like Walt Whitman a lot. Oh, definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, I've been reading, uh, I, I really like Rilke. Okay. Um, he's got a, the Book of Hours, is, is one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. And I've also been really, um, I, I really like Stanley Kunitz a lot mm-hmm. as well. But I've been getting into uh, some kind of the Persian poets too, like Rumi. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, you know, I'm always, I'm always digging around for new stuff. I'm always, I'm always trying to find uh, new stuff to read. But but lately it's been the Spanish poets, and then uh, a lot of Emily Dickinson. There's a really great uh, writer um, named Brian Turner, uh, and he. He's a he's a marine, and he did I think seven years in the Marines. Mm-hmm. And he his uh, his writing is really uh, really powerful and really in, has had quite an impact on me because it's he's so well read, but he's also so he's really precise with his writing. I don't know how else to describe it. But. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I mean, sometimes I'll just go to the library and, and grab you know five or six either anthologies or just books of poetry by people that I haven't, you know, been exposed to or read that much. So. Sure. What about other songwriters? Well, who, who, who gets it going for you lyrically? Uh, other, other writers you mentioned, Dylan, of course. Name some others. Well, um, you know, I, I remember <laughs> you, you were, uh, you were a, a big Neil Young fan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and I was like, it took me a while to get, I remember that, yeah. (laughs) I remember it. It did take you a while. I mean, I liked, I I really liked some of his stuff, but other, other of it just didn't hit me. But, um, he's a big one for me. I I really, um, I I really, I really like his stuff a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, I think Ryan Adams is a really, a really great writer. He, he, he's got a really wonderful gift of melody. Mm -hmm. He's got really great melodies. Um, I, I really like uh, like Ray LaMontagne. Mm-hmm. Uh, I pretty much um, I try to stay really open to hearing new stuff, but I kind of keep coming back to you know those cast of characters. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Uh, what about musically? I mean, who's influenced you or inspired you musically um, through the years? Because I know when I first met you. Back in, we won't say how long ago it was. You were you were outwardly into metal because that was a thing that was going on then. And you had the long hair and the Ibanez guitar, and you were completely into metal. <laughs> and you you underwent this well for, for what I saw anyway this this amazing transformation. And you still you still dug the metal stuff, but you started getting into Floyd and the Doors and the Dylan and and the Beatles and the Stones and it was an old blues stuff, and it was really cool. 
And uh, so, so what? What of all all of that stuff that that I've seen you go through and and other stuff? What 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 has inspired you through the years? Mostly, do you think, um, uh, in terms of writing and performing and, and singing, even? Well, I think the metal stuff. I think a, a, a chunk of that. Like, I was. I think I was just angry. <laughs> <laughs> you were, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but plus, you know, I grew up in the Upper Midwest. You know, I grew up in South yeah. Dakota, mm-hmm. and that's. Well, it was big, you know. That's what's really, and it's still really big yep. up there. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, but you know, I grew up uh, when you know when my dad would go to work, and it was summertime. I was I was home by myself, and my neighbor had a band. He was out of high school, and I used to go over there and listen to his band rehearse. And they, it was all the Stones, the Small Faces, mm. you know, Rod Stewart, a lot of rock and roll stuff. And I was like a you know eight nine year old kid. Mm-hmm. And they had this great record collection, so I would go upstairs and put headphones on and listen for hours to Pink Floyd, the Allman Brothers, um, Johnny Cash. So a lot of that stuff, for me growing up, uh, I, I heard real early, whether it was country music or or, uh, or rock and roll. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the thing really that, that it influences me the most is the idea of someone being an artist. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, the body of work that, that Johnny Cash did, and then also just how he was as a person. And he, I mean, he was an artist. He wasn't just a country singer. Right, yep. You know, and, and, and Merle Haggard, too. I mean, guys like that are really important to me because for the same reason that Dylan and Neil Young or like a Joni Mitchell... Um, they're artists, mm-hmm. and it's a lot different to be an artist or than someone that is, uh, just you know, like a songwriter right. or someone that. And I don't know if that makes any sense, but yeah, that makes some perfect sense, actually. Yeah, I mean, you you they had a sense of what they were going after, and a lot of times that made them a real pain in the butt to deal with or to work with. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day. Um, they were chasing something. They were they were on to something, mm-hmm. and the pursuit of that took them to places that they, you know, may not have uh, thought it would take them. But it, it was more than just kind of just trying to get on the radio or trying to write some hit song. Mm-hmm. On that on that line of thinking, what are you chasing? <laughs> well, I think. I think along those same lines, the idea of uh, what these people, what the what these artists stood for, and what was important for them, uh, I think that's kind of where the term for me with a lot of uh, the, the new writing that's a little more not like topical songwriting, like in the sense of a folk or kind of that early Dylan stuff or you know whatever whatever that protest thing was that he got labeled with, but just uh, being aware of what's going on around me, aside from, you know, literature and poetry, I've always been a history nut and, and a big uh, political junkie, so I followed that stuff my whole life. And and as an artist, I and as someone that writes, I, I right now, for whatever reason, I just I feel, I feel a pull to that, and I... That that's kind of what I've been writing. Mm-hmm. I feel somewhat of a responsi- res- 
responsibility. Sure, that makes sense. In my writing. You know, I mean, it's not to beat people up or to go after people, but I think at some, you know, at some point, we all uh, reach a point where we say, hey, this is what I stand for and what I believe in and what I'm cool with and what I'm not cool with. Sure, right. And um, so I'm not, you know... I live in Nashville, but I'm, I'm not interested really in any type of music role or, uh, or like a publishing deal or writing songs for like country artists or anything like that. I don't begrudge people that do that. I have friends that do that, but I, it's not. It's just not what I want to do. Mm-hmm. And um, for me, uh, when you write, it's it's a it, it's a really wonderful process of you finding out who you are as well and uh, confronting some of those things and being really honest about it. So I think there's a spiritual component to, to, to writing. If you go down that avenue and all those people we just talked about, mm-hmm. I think they, I think there was that component in their music too. I don't mean spiritual in the sense of talking about God, but I, I mean like mm-hmm. a, a self-awareness and a self uh, kind of an, an enlightening thing. And that's, that interests me, and I'm, uh, you know, I, the music that I'm writing right now, I didn't think I would be writing coming off the last record that I did. Those songs came really, uh, I sometimes I was writing a song a day. I mean, I went through a period where, for the first time in my life, I, 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 I couldn't listen to music, I couldn't write, I was just, I was going through a really difficult time, and, and it, you know, I, I couldn't do anything. Mm-hmm. It was really hard, and then I started making uh, a record and with Casey, and I came in with these new songs. I came in with Disengage and one other song and played them for him, and he's like, okay, we're going to make a different kind of record now. Mm-hmm. And that's where Disengage came from. So that was a really interesting process because I was literally writing the record as we were recording. Mm-hmm. So a lot of it was really kind of raw and personal, and I was trying to sort stuff out, and then... My writing came back, and that Better Here record came real easily. I mean, I, I was just—I wrote it real quickly, and we cut it live. We cut mm-hmm. ten tracks in two days with a band. Cool, cool. And so to be where I am now, um, and really chewing on some stuff, and really—it's uh, a different kind of music than I wrote before. So I—I tried—I'm—I try really hard not to to think about or put a. Uh, draw a line on, well, this is what I'm going to do. Because mm-hmm. the music that I'm writing right now, I, I didn't really expect that I would be writing. So, But this is where I am, and, I'm in, and I'm, that's what I'm going to write. Mm-hmm. I think that goes, too, with people, like, the idea of trying to be an artist. That's what, that's what artists do. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, a painter went to North Africa or the south of France because the light there was different. Mm-hmm. And, and I think musicians... And music, in a lot of ways, has kind of lost itself in terms of what it's capable of and the idea of what it means to be an artist because so much of it is so visual now and on TV and 15 minutes of fame and trying to get your song in a Lipton Tea commercial. And it's like all this weird thing that... um, I really like stubborn artists, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I'm getting guys that like vibe. Matisse and guys like Picasso and, <laughs> yeah. and Yeah. 
self-promotion time where can people find your stuff uh <laughs> oh well, it took me it took me a while uh-huh. but um uh my, my i didn't have an, an email or a <laughs> cell phone or anything until uh randy my we, we were married then but she's like look you really got it you got to get on this facebook thing and this myspace <laughs> i didn't know what any of that stuff was so sure uh, <laughs> so now yeah, can we get your stuff somewhere? <laughs> now can we get your stuff somewhere? <laughs> Thanks, Brandy, by the yeah. way. <laughs> it's um, it's shanelammusic.com is my website. Mm-hmm. And then I'm on, you know, I, I have got all the typ- typical uh, digital distribution through um, iTunes and Amazon and, okay. you know, all the digital places and a couple places uh, physically like CD Baby and Amazon. But okay. it's in all the all the kind of regular places. All digitally right. excellent very good there you know there are links from my site and stuff mm-hmm. okay my special guest again today on the sunshine slowdown radio show shane lamb his website shane lamb 
Thanks, Shane, for being on the show. Thank you for listening. Have a great week, everybody. 